My name is Nick. If you don't know me, I've been uh, on staff at Res Life since 2013. I originally came on with our young adults ministry. I still do a lot of work with them, uh, with Pastor Jake and, and just the amazing things that they're doing over there. But uh, right now in my current role, I have the amazing, amazing privilege to be able to lead our discipleship students here at Res Life. We have a nine-month program that students between the ages of 18 and 25 come through, and they're just hungry for the Lord. They're hungry to know what life in the kingdom looks like. And we get to walk through that journey with them, teach them how to dive into scripture and just mine all the gems that God has for us out of them. And then what does it look like to take on the character of Christ? And, and that's my role. And it's an absolute privilege to be able to, to just partner with these students. We're on our, our fourth year in the program right now. And uh, it's going extremely, extremely well. So I praise the Lord for that. Um, my, my role here in the discipleship program, I, I do a lot with discipleship, and, and it's a, a topic that burns on my heart, and I just want to kind of kick off my message uh, tonight because most everything that I teach revolves around this aspect of discipleship. Even when it's kind of on the fringe and it doesn't necessarily sound like discipleship, it's about discipleship. And, and really, I truly believe that we can see clear, clean and clear all throughout Scripture through Jesus is giving the call for believers not not just to be people who come and attend church, although that's amazing and we're glad to be here tonight and worship our Lord together, but for people to step into a journey with the Lord, learning from him how to live our life like he would live our life if he was living our life, right? That's just a, a kind of easy way to say discipleship is, is we're learning from him how to live life, how to do life. And, uh, and I do want to talk about that tonight, but a big part of what he does in the discipleship journey is actually transforming a heart. Say, transforming a heart. Yes. I brought my whiteboard up tonight. I'm ready to teach, so I hope you guys are ready to learn. And as good learners, we are good participants, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull some participation out from you guys tonight. I'm super excited to be here. Let me pray as we get into uh, talking about the transformation of the heart. Father, we just love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we just thank you. God, we thank you that we get to be here uh, to gather in front of you, to gather with you, and to have you in our midst and Jesus, we recognize your presence in this room right now. Holy Spirit, we say, have your way. Father, I pray over this message, God, that uh, my words aside, that your word would be the thing that sticks with people, sticks in their hearts, and does a transformational work in our hearts, God. We just thank you, God, that you have passionately pursued us, and you are looking to do a mighty work in our life. And we thank you that we get to partner with that. And we say, have your way. God, we love you, we praise you, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, is that clock right back there? Yes, awesome. I, uh, <laughs> I've been known to have the gift of jab, right, like jabber, <laughs> and I've been searching to see if it's in there as a, as a spiritual gift, right, a gift of the Holy Spirit, and I haven't been able to find it yet, so uh, I'm going to abide by the clock tonight. So... 
Uh, as we're going into tonight, I've spent much of my ministry life looking at, like I said, discipleship, but really specifically on the, the transformation of life. And I've been so interested in that. And I feel like I've only touched the, the tip of the iceberg on the idea of God transforming our life. And it's something that I've watched happen in my life so much. I've you know, I've shared my, my testimony in different areas with our young adults and stuff like that. And I could truly tell you that who I am today compared to who I was just even two years ago, let alone seven, eight, nine years ago, I am truly a, a new creation. Anybody else in here feel that, that I am a new creation? I've felt that in my life and I really grabbed hold of that. But what does that look like and how does that actually happen? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Typically, right, when we, when we look at the area of transformation, we tend to link it to the different sins in our life and the old man that we're trying to really run away from, we're trying to put off, right? That Paul says, put off the old man, take on the new man. And the way that we go about doing that, we, we tend to go about it in different ways that sometimes end up wearing us out. For like myself, when I tried to look at the different sinful behaviors in my life and the different ways that I was falling short of the glory of God, right? And I was trying to manage those areas and try and force myself into a new way of living. Uh, I, would, I would work really hard and it wasn't for a lack of trying, but it wasn't working in my life. And ended up, it, it kind of felt like I was arm wrestling myself, Right? I do these things, but I don't want to do them. And I end up like arm wrestling myself until I, I don't do them for a, a certain amount of time. And then all of a sudden I do them again. And then I kind of feel a lot of just guilt that comes along with that. Have any of you guys ever experienced that? And what I started thinking through those seasons was Christianity is working for everyone else. It's not working for me. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm trying really hard. So maybe I'm just, I don't know. The devil starts coming in, he starts selling and peddling all his lies in those areas. And, and it's because we were trying to, I was trying to operate at a level of behavior. But I'll say this on the onset, that Jesus didn't come to make us better like behavior managers. He came to make us completely new individuals. Completely new people, a completely new kind of person. When we talk about discipleship, I talk about it quite a bit with our students that the, the goal of discipleship is becoming a completely new kind of person, a kind of person who would naturally do the things that Christ is calling us to do. Right? The kind of person that from the, the depths of the heart with the spirit infilled just start bubbling up those fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things would just bubble up outside of us, not because we've mustered it up really hard, but because we have been transformed into a new kind of person. Somebody who that would naturally happen because we're partnering with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So Jesus didn't come to make us good behavior managers. He came to make us a completely new person. And this is what scripture says when it talks about a new creation, like I was just talking about, where it talks about the, the new man, right? Paul says in Colossians that we would clothe ourselves with the new man. He calls it the, the inner man, right? The Christ-like nature, all of these different aspects are talking about the transformational journey from discipleship that we would start to look more like Christ. That's our goal. If you've ever asked God, what's your 
your will for my life. I'll tell you plain and simple, in two different areas, God's will for your life is that you would look like Jesus and that earth would look like heaven. <laughs> plain and simple, right? We could boil it down just to, to that. And then that gives us a good picture of why we would step into the discipleship journey to learn from him how to be like him. So this is what he does. Scripture talks about taking out, like I said, we're talking about the heart tonight, and I'm really going to start honing in on the heart right now. And Scripture says that Jesus, in his works in the gospel, would take out our heart of stone, meaning that it was immobile or moldable, right? It couldn't be molded. And he would replace in us a heart of flesh. And that heart of flesh would be something that he'd be able to take in his hands, that the Holy Spirit would be able to do a work on the inside of, and we would actually be able to be molded in the hands of our Lord and Savior. That God would be able to start shaping us into his will, right? That we would look more like Jesus. And it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. Ezekiel 36, 28 or 36 verses 26 through 28 says, I will give you a new heart. Say a new heart. And I will put into you a new spirit. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then this is also key. And I will put my spirit in you to move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land that I gave your ancestors and you'll be my people and I will be your God. This is absolutely beautiful, and this is what happened in Christ's gospel message, the death, burial, resurrection, when he justified us. He raised us into a position to where God was able to take out of us the heart of stone. For anyone that would come to the Lord, it's because he has now put a, a heart of flesh in him, and God is so desperately looking to get us to that place where he can mold us in his hands. And I'll tell you, all of life, I, I truly believe this, that all the issues that we could experience in life are answered in discipleship to Jesus. Any problem you have in your life, the answer is discipleship to Jesus. And what that looks like is having the moldable heart and having a heart transformation. So this is the basics of transformation. The first thing I'll, I'll put up here, we're about to get into teacher mode. I, oh, I love this. I have the, the anointing of Pastor Al going right now. He's a big whiteboard guy, so I'm just like, yes, he and I are, are jiving right now. So this is, if you, if you just walk away with this one point tonight, hey, this is going to do an amazing thing for you as you take this as a lens to go into Scripture. A transformed heart. Everyone say transformed heart. transformed heart equals a transformed life. Yes, you can say that. <laughs> I love the participation. Thank you. A transformed heart equals a transformed life. If you want to transform your marriage, transform your heart, right? If you want to transform your finances, transform your heart. If you want to transform your relationships, what do you transform? You transform your heart. This is a beautiful thing, and I'm not trying to oversimplify things here, but it is actually kind of simple, that if we would present our heart to the Lord and allow him to do in our heart what he wants to do in our heart, our life would start looking in a completely different way. 
Actually, I'm, I'm planning on being back in the next two weeks. Uh, so next week we have Steve Hage. Pastor Steve Hage is going to be here for, and then I'm going to be back the week after that, as long as I do well tonight, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'll be back the week after that in order to uh, deliver kind of a part two of this message where I'm really going to talk about the things that kind of start transforming our lives. Um, but I, I love, love, love this topic of talking about just the, the transformation of a life, the transformation of a heart, and our hearts matter. Turn to your neighbor and say, your heart matters. Yes. Turn to your other neighbor and say, did you hear that? Yes. All right. But here's the thing, this is the caveat, and this is extremely important. We have no ability to transform our hearts on our own. This is actually a beautiful thing. <laughs> yes, praise the Lord, right? Ooh, I have an interactive audience tonight, this is awesome. Not that I think of you guys as audience, I have interactive saints tonight. Can I get an amen? <laughs> All right. Audrey liked that one. So we have no ability to transform our hearts on our own. It's by Christ's spirit at work in our lives. But we do have a role to play. So get this. We cannot do it on our own. But he will not do it on his own either. This is the beautiful aspect of sanctification. It's a co-laboring with God. We're getting to partner with God in the areas that he wants to do a renovation in our heart. And this is absolutely incredible. He takes on all the hard work. <laughs> it's amazing. He takes all the burden and we get to do just the, the lighter end of the load. We get to observe and bring things to him. And we'll talk about that later on tonight. But it's so, so crucial for us to understand. I'm not sending you guys off to go and try and do all the work on your heart yourself. In fact, that would end up back in that arm wrestling match with yourself and you'd be pretty tired and then you'd come and you'd have some choice words with me and we'd have to work through that. And I don't want that to happen. So listen to that point. The heart is important. It's the center of your life. If the Lord gets your heart, he will end up getting your life. If the Lord gets your heart, he will get your life. And we'll see this here in scripture here in a second. We could also call it the production center, the command center of our life. If my life is screwed up, it's typically an indicator that my heart is screwed up. And sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow, but there's actually good news attached to that. It means that there is hope. How many of you guys have worked your way through your life and you just feel like it's not going to get any better, but there's hope attached to this? It says, okay, now I know where I can focus, or at least where I can bring to the Lord for him to focus to do a work on the inside of me, so my life can start looking a little bit different. The issues in your life are most often a symptom of what's going on in your life. Jesus uses a beautiful analogy of a tree, and I absolutely love this, the tree and its fruit. In Luke 6, he says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. He's saying you can't, you can't call yourself an orange tree and have apples at the end of your branches. It just doesn't work that way. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man, get this point, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
And now we can think, oh, well, I'm not really evil, right? But the, the aspect here, we're talking about the heart, right? I'm going to talk about the anatomy of the heart here in a second. We're not like, like actual anatomy. That'd be kind of gross. And, um, but the spiritual anatomy of a heart. And what Jesus is saying here is, if this, is a, this is a picture that helps me out. Maybe you're going to look at this and go, okay, it's a piece of broccoli coming off of a heart. What Jesus is saying is this is our life. And there's all sorts of different aspects at the end of our branches. And we're going, oh, I'm not evil. But the, the evilness that he's talking about, this is the sinful nature, the, the fruit at the end of our branches, whether it's pride, whether it's lust, whether it's anger, whether it's workaholism, whether it's alcoholism, whatever it might be, these are the aspects at the end of our branches. And what is he saying? Where does it come from? The heart. Thank you. Don't quit interacting with me yet. We got plenty of ways to go. The heart produces these different aspects. He says, if there's good fruit, right, the fruit of the spirit that we're talking about, that means that the, the condition of the heart is good. If there's bad fruit, what's that mean about the heart? The condition of the heart is twisted, mangled, broken. We can all use all those things, right? Some of us are, have a difficult time saying, well, my heart's wicked. Well, it is, but there, again, there's good news there that he wants to transform our hearts with us and, and actually partner with us in this. Matthew 12, 33 says, make a tree, this is Jesus again, uh, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. For a life is recognized by its fruit. Who in here wants to be a good tree? Yes, everyone's hand should go up. If not, we'll have a prayer team up at the end. <laughs> I'm used to a young crowd, so if my jokes don't hit you well, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Jesus says the fruit at the end of our branches is actually directly related to the root system, our heart. Okay, good. The broken things of life come out of the broken heart, but the pure things of life come out of a pure heart. Turn to your neighbors and say, I told you the heart matters. Okay, okay, I'm losing some, with some emphasis now. I told you the heart matters. Now turn back to them and say, I'm sorry for yelling at you. All right. What we tend to do is we tend to, like I said at the beginning, this is my life, my Christian life for a long time, is we tend to manage our fruit. And we do this in a couple different ways, right? I can, I can recognize that all the fruit at the end of my branches is bad fruit. So I start going through and I try and pluck it all off, just and shake myself off. So then I, I don't have any of that fruit left. But the issue is I didn't change the core, I didn't change the heart. So the next season, all that fruit starts to pop back up. And I thought I was doing good, and then all of a sudden it shows back up. Can you guys relate? Right? Another thing that we do is, is I try and feel really, really bad for having all this fruit at the end of my branches. Oh, I'm so sorry I have workaholism, right? And I, I'm just working all the time. I feel really, really bad about that, God. And, and sometimes we call that repentance. It's not actually repentance. The heart didn't change. So 
So I, I presented to the Lord even, and I would feel really, really bad, but I didn't allow him to go deeper into the root issue and actually change things inside of me. So I ended up just going back into the same things. And then the other thing that we might try and do is we try and place ourselves around people that have good fruit, right? And I try and imitate their life, which actually is, is a part of a really good way of going about it. Positioning yourself around other believers who aren't just faking it, but are actually growing in their, their walk with the Lord. That's a really great thing. But if you don't allow the heart to transform, then you're going to eventually, right? If we talk about that workaholism, you'll be eventually sitting with a bunch of people who are able to disengage from work and you'll be doing the same thing that they're doing while you're anxious on the inside, wishing you were at work. And, and again, if we don't transform here, nothing will happen out here. And I hope that this starts awakening some of the, the journey that, like I said, I, I'm just going to talk to me. I've been on that journey. I've tried shaking all the the fruit off my branches. I tried positioning myself around other people. I even tried picking up their fruit and holding it at the end of my branches and saying, look at me, I got good fruit. And then it's like withering in my hands because it's not connected to a life source. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I get wore out, frustrated. And, and then again, the enemy starts having areas to where he can start attacking me. So if you want to change the fruit, Okay, if you want to overcome sin, live a righteous life, you have to change the root, the heart. Derek Prince says, you cannot have wrong things in your heart and live right. And you cannot have the right things in your heart and live wrong. It goes both ways. So everything in your life comes out of your heart. If you have a pure heart, you will live a pure life. One of my favorite Bible teachers says it this way. You will never go on the outside where you did not first go on the inside. It's Pastor Duane. Oh, he said I, oh, I was supposed to call him my absolute favorite Bible teacher. I'm sorry, Pastor. <laughs> so let's talk about the spiritual anatomy of the heart. You're like, I don't even know what to make of this guy. Just keep drawing your broccoli, dude. All right. The spiritual anatomy of of the heart. <laughs> oh, bring me back in two weeks, please. Okay. The Hebrew word for heart, I, I love word studies. The Hebrew word for heart is lev, or lev. You could spell it L-E-V or L-E-B. And, and this breaks down a concept of the heart that we would call the mind, will, and emotions. The mind, will, and emotions. That's what is consistent in the heart, right? And we see all throughout Scripture to where, to where it says, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's, and when it's saying that, it's pointing at loving him with all of your mind, will, and emotions. Another way that we could say this is your thoughts. Say thoughts. Your feelings. Thank you. And your desires. Yes. 
your thoughts, your feelings, and your desires. And again, I'm kind of oversimplifying the heart right now, and I don't want to make it like crazy simple. One thing I will say is next weekend, we have a, an event going on here at Res. Uh, we do typically a couple of them a year, but it's called Kairos, where much of the event is dealing with the inner areas of our heart and helping us with good tools to bring ourselves fully before the Lord. So if this is interesting to you, I, I suggest going on our events tab and looking that up. Um, and it's going to be an amazing event. And you'll be able to see a little bit more of what's going on in here. But uh, for the, the sake of tonight, thoughts, feelings, and desires, these are the different areas that we're, we're thinking through, Right. Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you're going, thoughts? Doesn't that happen up here? Actually, Scripture is saying that it's, it's happening actually more down here. We do think up here, but the, the deep things that produce the life, right? Proverbs also says, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. The, the things that would produce the issues of our life are actually from the thoughts within our hearts, belief structures, core lies that we might be believing, those will produce these different fruits at the end of our branches. And then there's also the feelings, the emotions. And how many of you guys have heard that your emotions will lie to you? Right? I remember when I, when I heard this phrase and it shifted the way that I approached my emotions. A, a teacher one time said, your emotions won't lie to you. They'll actually tell you the truth of what it feels like to be you. And, and what that means, hear me right now, what that means is your emotions are an amazing check engine light for your heart. They are a terrible engine. <laughs> if I run my heart on my emotions and my feelings, I will run into that wall faster than you could say, he just ran into that wall. You will, because they, they will. If you allow them to drive your life, they will actually press you in a way that, that you shouldn't be going. But if we approach them in the right way and we allow them to actually show us what's going on inside of our heart, we'll actually have better information later on when we're talking about what does it look like to present this to the Lord. Right? When I have an emotion that rises up, having experiencing an emotion and living in an emotion are two different things. Right? Scripture says, in your anger do not sin. It means I can be angry and, and not sin. I can experience anger and I could actually allow it to show me some of the things that are going on in my heart to present myself over to the Lord for him to do a work in me. Or I could just allow it to fester up and then I start living in it and then I start doing stupid things and run into that wall really quick. And then the last part here is our desires. And a lot of the times you'll hear will as in like the, the actions of your life, which is true. We could say desires and actions here, but it first starts as a desire, right? Our, our core desires of our heart direct the nature of our life. I'm not going to go any place that my heart doesn't really strongly desire me to go, which again sounds really bad, but is really good when we have right desires inside of us. When I have a good, healthy desire inside of me to want to do the things that God, that Jesus is calling me to do, then I will naturally do those things because my heart desires it. Is this making sense? I know it's a simple and kind of silly illustration, but does this help to kind of break down a little the idea of transformation in our life? 
We've been so focused up here that we've missed out down here. Right, I talked even a second ago about the repentance moment that we thought we were doing when I just felt really, really bad. So what does a healthy repentance look like? A healthy repentance recognizes the sin at the end of my branches, whatever you might want to call it, whatever it is that you've been struggling with. But then a repentance moment comes down into the heart with the Lord and says, I'm doing that thing because I'm, doing, I, I'm experiencing a brokenness down here. Maybe you're thinking some impure thoughts, right? You have some core lies in your life that you're holding on to. Repentance looks like renouncing those lies and receiving God's truth, right? The word repentance, the Greek word is metanoia, means I'm, I was thinking this way, so I was going this way. And at the, at the end of this, this moment of repentance, I'm actually thinking in this way, so now I'm going in this way. It means I had broken thoughts and broken lies that I was buying into, and the repentance moment happens when I'm receiving the truth and when I'm moving in the direction of the truth. When I had broken desires and when I was allowing emotions to drive my life, the repentance moment looks like me actually bringing my desires before the Lord and allowing him to minister to my heart and directing me in my steps. That's a true repentance moment. It means now I'm, my heart has been transformed to where I don't even have to necessarily, I'll say necessarily, I don't necessarily have to worry about going back that direction because I'm so focused on the new direction that the Lord's given me that I'm heading in that way. So, for the, the last little bit of tonight, I want to not shift gears, but I really want to break down an aspect here, uh, and I'm just going to start expanding out on Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. I'll read out the NIV first. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Say, guard your heart. New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Again, this is exactly what Jesus was saying, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man does good things because of the goodness in his heart. This is what Proverbs is saying right here. And then King James, just because, why not bring some old English in? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. I always feel like Shakespeare when I'm reading that. But I love reading each of those three because when I combine them together, I, I just, I love the, the verbiage of guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. And actually it says above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. And again, the heart there is the lab. That's what we're, we're talking about here. The other word in that is guard. The word here is natsar. This is the Hebrew word for guard. And oftentimes, and I've even heard some, some messages on YouTube and stuff that are based around, well, guard your heart because, you know, other people, you're vulnerable and other people are coming to get you. And, and that's not actually what this is talking about. The word guard here is, is if you look at the, the definitions within it, it, we can look at it in a couple different ways. One Emily, my wife, this is my wife, Emily, by the way, everyone, hey, my wife is amazing. Emily just recently went into uh, like teaching in multiple places, but just before that, she was working over at the public museum, and the public museum has guards inside their public museum. Now, 
again, the messages that I've heard in the past would picture these guards with Uzis <laughs> ready to, to protect from any siege that's coming onto the museum. But actually what happened in the museum was there were just, you know, like guards, like maybe a nightstick in the evening or something like that, but they, a flashlight, right? And they were walking around the, the museum and their job wasn't so much to protect it from outside like forces, but to actually observe what was going on in the different exhibitions and to observe all the little ones that were running around and then the parents that we also have to observe because everyone kind of puts their hands on everything and things that you're not supposed to put your hands on, they put your hands on. And, and uh, all of a sudden, exhibits, these different areas within the museum would get unsettled. They would get out of place. They would get messed up. And the guard's job was to recognize this and then communicate it to Emily, who worked on the, the exhibitions team, right? And then Emily and her team would go in, they would fix the exhibition. This is the idea that, that the guard here is actually talking about. A couple words that describe guard is oversee, watch over, tend to, right? Observe. These are the different definitions for this idea of guard. So when it says, guard your heart, what it's saying is, observe your heart. Watch over your heart. See when things get shifted out of place and they aren't in the right order. And then here's the key. The guards would make, and if there's a, if there's a Grand Rapids Public Museum garden here, I apologize, I'm not talking about you. But the guards, when they would try and fix the exhibition themselves, would typically make Emily's job that much harder because they would do it wrong. <laughs> And much in the same way, when we observe our heart and we try and fix our heart ourselves, we end up doing it wrong. Our job is to bring the things that we've observed over to the exhibitions team, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and allow them to do the work in our life that they can do, right? Does this make sense? Say, guard your heart. The other aspect of Natsar is the aspect of a vineyard owner. Right? A vineyard owner or a vineyard observer would go out and they would watch over a vineyard. Or if you picture a garden, and I absolutely love this, and I love this aspect of, of even thinking of my heart as a garden, just because it, it makes it so much more tangible for my mind to think about. And, and what they would do is they would observe when weeds were growing up that were choking out the plants that were supposed to be growing. They would observe when critters were in there that weren't supposed to be in there, right? My wife and I, we just moved into our, our first home this year, and I now have my own little plot of land that the Lord has entrusted me with. And every, like, the first week that we were there, I just started, I got out and I started working on the lawn because I was so excited to be able to tend to my own plot of earth, right? It's the Lord's earth, right? But he gave it to me to tend. So I'm getting to tend to that plot of earth but then I have to make sense of what's going on in that plot of earth. I have to look around and I start seeing the different shrubs and the different like weeds that are growing up. And in my genius idea, I didn't end up doing it, praise the Lord. I thought if I just got weed be gone and like sprayed it all the way across, it would just kill all the weeds and then I would have beautiful grass. Luckily, I talked to somebody in the store that said that would kill all the grass too. And I didn't go that route, but it was a thing that, that came through my mind. And again, this gives us a picture of what it looks like to observe over the heart. And we would watch over and tend to the different areas of the garden of our heart, and it would allow us to be able to present things to the Lord, right? 
We would be able to plant good seed in there. And then in the understanding, this is why I love it, when I plant good seed, good thoughts in there, uh, you can't just let the seed sit there. It has to be watered, nurtured, cared for. And it shows us the, the part that we get to co-labor with the Lord on when I get to deposit the seed of the word into the heart and when he deposits in the, into the heart, I get to partner with him and just watching it and making sure that it's growing, right? You think of plants that need trellises that grow up and, and they need the, the stability of a trellis. And that's part of the, the thing here is I get to partner with that. And then I also get to partner with other people that would help me in partnering with that. And they would be with me a trellis for my life. Does this make sense? This is a bit of the aspect of guarding our heart. And I absolutely love this because it, it brings us back to the aspect of repentance. All of what we're talking about is really a lot of repentance moments, but it's also transformation. So I want to kind of start closing down here and start telling you or giving us some ideas of areas that we could start observing, watching, tending, and guarding our heart. So I have four different areas that we're going to go through. The first area that you could start activating immediately, starting tonight, I, I encourage you guys, as you guys go home, before you go to bed tonight, just take some time with the Lord and walk through some of this stuff. The first one is, observe and watch the language that's coming from your mouth. It's an indicator of the condition of our heart. Remember when Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's one of the easiest ways I could start recognizing what's going on in my heart. I don't know any place other than to start. Well, I could start watching my language and seeing what I'm speaking. It will reveal lies that you might believe, emotions that you might be reacting to, and desires that you may be pursuing. Right after the guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life, that Proverbs 4.23, 4.24 says, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. It's no wonder that they follow up the, the verse about guarding your heart with also observing and watching the things that are coming out of your mouth. James tells us that the tongue is a rudder of our life. And what we could do is we could stop the flow coming out and we could actually reverse the flow and actually change what's going in. I could start speaking and confessing God's word over my life. How many of you guys tune in to our seven at seven in the morning? It's absolutely incredible. If you do not know what I'm talking about on our Facebook page or YouTube, we do a thing. Pastor Daniel runs it and it's absolutely incredible. It's called seven at seven. We just each of the days throughout the week we get together as a community and we confess God's word over our life. We have a word of encouragement, word of confession and prayer. And if you don't know any other place to start, then just start tuning in with that and start speaking God's word over your life and see what it starts to do. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous and you will have good success. So the first one, watch over the language from your mouth. Second, guard what you allow to come into your heart. Much like I said, we could stop the flow going out and actually reverse the flow going in. We also have to watch what's going into our heart. The different things that we're watching, 
right? The shows that we're watching, the news that we're tuning into, all these different aspects, even the things on social media, the different fights that are getting in. Just do yourself a favor and just disconnect from that because it's, it's trying to do a work on the inside of your life that you really don't need it to do. You can start partnering with the Lord and actually having him direct the areas that you can go to to have good, wise counsel come into your life. So guard what you allow to come in your heart. If you had a physical heart condition and you went to the doctor, one of the first things that they would do for you is help change the diet, right? They would say, the things that you're putting into your body may be affecting your heart, and it's the same way spiritually that the things we allow into our heart start affecting our heart and start causing the issues of our life. So guard your heart. Also, much like a fence that you would put around your garden to keep the critters out, to, to guard the valuable right, produce that you're growing, think about your heart in that way. Your heart matters. Turn to your neighbor and say your heart matters. Yes. <laughs> Some of the people are, nope, not doing it. All right. Watch over the language of your mouth. Guard, your, guard what you're allowing to come into your heart. Next is be quick to recognize and surrender unforgiveness, resentment, resentment, bitterness, and anger. Unfortunately, throughout our life as we're growing up, we tend to grab onto those things and, and we've bought into the lie in many cases. This is me, at least in the past. You can, you know, think about your own life. I, I thought that they were actually quite comforting, right? I, I find comfort in being able to judge other people. I find comfort in holding on to resentment because I feel justified in all these different aspects. But it's not comfort. That's a lie from the pits of hell. It's actually poisoning you and it's terrorizing your heart and it's actually causing, if you are holding on to those things, a lot of these issues at the end of your branches. And if we could be quick to forgive, quick to release, quick to surrender to the Lord and get his truth in these areas, it would do a mighty, mighty work in our life. Uh, Yes, I'm going to continue moving. Be quick to release these to Christ and he will be quick to plant a beautiful garden of peace, joy, love in its place. I will say in my prayer time this morning, I really had this point emphasized to me and I felt like there might be some people in here who took the resentment and the bitterness that you felt in the past and you linked it to saying that it was God's voice and you made some decisions from that. And it's caused some issues in your life and he wants to bring healing in those areas and he wants to bring truth into those areas and he wants to redeem the situations with you. So if that speaks to you, go ahead and, and grab onto that one. Last one here is set your eyes on Christ. Again, we're continuing in Proverbs 4, 425 through 27 says, let your eyes look straight ahead, fixate your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the left or to the right. Keep your foot from evil. The best way that we could do this is fixate our eyes on Christ. Paul tells us multiple times throughout his letters. In Colossians 3, he says, set your hearts and your minds on the things of Christ, the things above. Don't think, don't dwell on the things of this earth. Just keep fixated on him as your prize. Right, Second Corinthians three eighteen. I won't. Uh, I highly suggest you look at that scripture. It's a beautiful scripture. But what it's saying in a nutshell is, when we look at 
Christ, when we fixate our eyes on him and his glory, he does a mighty work in our life to make us more like him. And he does the mighty work. At the end of that verse, it says that it's the work of the spirit who's transforming us into his image and likeness. So it's absolutely beautiful. We cannot change our hearts. That requires a supernatural and divine transformation work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. But we can position ourselves for the work to happen in us by observing our hearts, partnering with his redemptive work in our lives, by watching what comes out, speech and conduct, by watching what goes in, speaking God's word and lives and meditating on his truths, by being quick to partner with him in areas of unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, and anger, and keeping Christ at the core of our affections. I'm sure there's plenty of other areas that we could have gone into. We didn't have the time for it tonight. But if I could have everyone here tonight, if you could just close your eyes as we close out. I will share this story, and, and you could keep your eyes closed because we're going to go into a ministry activation here in a second. When I was a kid, about eight, nine years old, I started my own lawn care company, just a little thing that I did with a buddy down the street. And we had one client at the end of the street, her name, well, we had multiple clients, but one specific client named Mrs. Helder. And she would pay us $50 a piece to mow her lawn. And it was just the coolest thing, I thought. But then she would give us another $50 if we would clear out this giant pricker bush that she had in the backyard. She wanted to plant something else in there and she would give us finances, $50 if we would just spend some time clearing that pricker bush out. And she told us, you need to get to the root of it. You need to cut out the root, otherwise it's gonna keep coming back. And as a, as a young entrepreneur, I thought, okay, I could get another $50 if I don't cut this root out. And I just prolonged the aspect of not cutting the root out. And eventually she fired me from the job and brought someone else in. They cleared it all out and she planted the most amazing rose garden in her backyard. I bring that up to say the pricker bush is the resentment, the bitterness, the different things that you've been putting off because you thought it's paying out a good wage. And the Lord's saying, if you would release that, if we would excavate that, if we would take it out, I would be so quick to plant the most beautiful garden of roses, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in your heart, and you would experience some abundance of me. If that's you, I just want you to walk through that journey with the Lord right now. For everyone else, if you've never accepted the call from Christ to take him as Lord and Savior, If you haven't stepped into that relationship with him, then this transformational work that we're talking about is not going to happen in your life. It's available. He's calling all. But it does take a decision. You need a new heart, the heart of flesh, and this only comes by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your old life of sin has left you with a heart of stone and your new life in him will lead to a heart of flesh empowered by his spirit.
If that's you and you're ready to watch that old man pass away and to take on the new man that Jesus is promising us and you're ready for that transformational work to start happening in your life, tonight's your night. If you've never made that decision, if you've never said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior, I lay down my life. And I just ask that you would partner with me in this prayer right now. If everyone would say this prayer after me, Jesus, I can't fix myself. I need you. I recognize your gospel story. I believe in the sufficient price you paid for on the cross. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I'm holding nothing back. I choose to live for you each and every day. Every way in my life. Every way in my heart. God, I just thank you. God, we thank you for each and every individual in here tonight, God. Thank you for those who made that decision for the first time. If you're out there and you're going, you know, I've, I've been trying to do this whole thing on my own and I'm realizing tonight that I haven't allowed Christ to do a work in me, then tonight's your night as well. Just make that decision and say to Jesus, I choose to not do this on my own. I choose to partner with you. Father, we say, have your way. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.